This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. The 16th day of June, 2022. It's going to be another hot one down here in the south. It has been brutal down here. Temperatures yesterday got into the low 90s. Uh, I think at one point it got to like 93 here. The humidity was off the charts. Just brutal. Uh, some thunderstorms yesterday afternoon. So we're going to get some more of that today, and I know uh, it's still going to remain hot around the uh, most of the eastern half of the country today. Um, so we weren't here yesterday, and I apologize for that. Um, but we had, uh, down here at Golden Pond Farms, we had a little bit of a disaster yesterday uh, uh, or the night before uh, our neighbor's uh, dog uh, found its way into our chicken enclosure and wiped out our chicken crop we our, our chicken uh, population we ended up only having one survivor uh so my wife and i spent yesterday it was her day off and we spent yesterday reinforcing um the fencing and trying to figure out uh, how we got in and how we can stop that from happening again and went out and bought more chicks and it's just uh you know i mean it's uh you don't like to see anything but it's just brutal i mean you, we bought them you know when they were just a few days old and you raise them and uh, they were about two and a half months old, and uh, they were doing great, and uh, now they're not. So, uh, But uh, uh, we think we got that squared away, so uh, that's why we weren't here yesterday. But uh, we're back, and uh, we'll be here tomorrow as well. So let's get to sports. Um, a huge day in the Boston area. Um, we've got the U.S. Open golf tournament starting today in Boston at the Country Club in Brookline. We have the Red Sox playing at the one thirty this afternoon, trying to complete the sweep of the Oakland Athletics. And then coming up tonight, the Boston Celtics try to remain alive in the NBA Finals, trailing Golden State three games to two. Uh, they will play game six tonight. The Celtics hoping to try to push a game seven on Sunday that would be in Golden State. So, uh, you know, in San Francisco at the Golden State's home park. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But it's going to be a huge day, and it's going to be a monstrous crowd in Brookline. And it is going to be a boisterous crowd in Brookline. Look, uh, whether you like Boston or not, and, and, you know, it's – if you're if you're not a fan of Boston teams, you know Boston fans can be a little obnoxious. Now they're not as bad as 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 other cities. They're not. It's not as bad as New York or Philadelphia, but they can be brutal. And it is going to be very very interesting today to see how the crowds in Brookline handle the twelve or thirteen players in the U.S. Open field that have jumped from the PGA Tour to the new LIV golf tour 
And, uh, of course, tops on that list of people that uh, are going to have a target on their backs would be Phil Mickelson. Now, you know, you could say Phil Mickelson is, is um, you know, I don't know if he's a legitimate target or not. I mean, this is a guy that's going to be 52 years old this weekend. Um, you know, he's his, be- his better days, his competitive days on the PGA Tour are over. But he is a name. He is, you know, one of the biggest names in the field, despite the fact that he's almost 52. Despite the fact, by the way, he has never won the U.S. Open. It is the only major tournament of his career that he has not won. He has finished second in it, I believe, six times, but he's never won it. Um, and, and so we'll see. And he's, look, he, he knows that, uh, he could be in for a rough go in a press conference yesterday. He doesn't, he said, look, he said, uh, you know, Boston crowds are some of the best in sports, but he doesn't know what to expect. Um, if you remember, remember the Ryder cup back in 1999, it was at the country club in Brookline. And remember what the crowds were like there? And it was very controversial for a while in Ryder Cup about how boisterous they were and about how after the U.S. had clinched it or just about had it clinched, the crowds wouldn't calm down. And uh, they were, you know, screaming and yelling still after Justin Leonard chipped in a birdie on the 17th green. Jose Maria Olathabo had a chance to putt it out. and But the crowds just were insane and the European team was pissed, you know. And and here's the thing, you know, golf is a, a, an outlier, along with tennis, I guess, in terms of crowds. I mean, every other sport, it's like scream as loud as you can for as long as you can, right? Uh, you know, soccer, football, baseball, basketball. It's constant noise. Hell, in basketball, they don't let you breathe anymore. They're piping in music every second. Sometimes when a game is going on, it's incredibly loud in an NBA game now. The NFL, despite the fact they'll have 75,000, 80,000 people at a game, still pumps in crowd noise to make it even louder. But, you know, in golf, it's all about being quiet, right? It's, oh, he's on the green, and, you know, he's lining one up at 15 feet for birdie, and, Oh my God! Don't make a sound. You know, don't don't have your camera go off when somebody's going to tee off. I mean, that's you know, with the exception of uh, one hole. Remember, I think it's at the Phoenix Open or the Waste Management Open or whatever the hell they call it now, out in Arizona. There's that one hole. I think it's the 16th or 17th. That par three hole that's got the thing, and it's a the the fans scream the entire time, and the uh, uh, the golfers pump them up, and they want them to be loud. That's like that's like the lone exception. But other than that, golf is a very quiet sport. So when you go to a place like Boston, and as, this was funny, uh, Jimmy Golan in the uh, uh, Associated Press had a great. He said he said you're going to have a gallery full of guys named Sully and Fitz. <laughs> you know what? He's not wrong. Uh, and and you don't know how they're going to react. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes today. Um, I, I hope, look, I, like I said, I, I have mixed feelings about the whole Phil Mickelson thing. I, this LIV golf thing and the fact that these guys are taking blood money from the Saudi Arabians to play in it um, bugs me. But it's hard for me because I've always been such a Phil Mickelson fan. 
So uh, there's a part of me that hopes he gets through this unscathed, but there's another part of me that says, you know what, Boston fans, have at it. And not just Boston fans. You know, uh, anywhere else they play in a major, uh, you know, I hope it when they go to England and or in Scotland, wherever the hell it is this year, and they play the Open Championship, I hope the British fans give the, all those guys hell. I do. Because, you know, uh, I saw an interview that Bob Costas did yesterday on CNN. And, and he said, you know, what what we found out with a guy like Phil Mickelson is there is a price for his morality. Right? There's a price. And for all these other golfers, there's a price, you know. Uh, and maybe these guys don't have scruples. Maybe Or maybe these guys are just too young and too stupid and too uh, not with it to, to recognize that you don't want to get into bed with people that are killers or people that that uh, uh, train terrorists to get onto airplanes and crash into buildings in New York City because all but four of the 19 terrorists and 9-11 folks were from Saudi Arabia. So there's a big part of me that wants these guys to catch holy hell from the Boston fans today. On the other side, I don't want it to turn into an embarrassment for the Boston area where people are too over the top. So it's going it's going to be fascinating. Fascinating to watch that today. Uh, and as far as the Celtics go, look, um, they had an opportunity in their last game, in Game 5, when Steph Curry uh, couldn't throw it in the ocean if he fell out of a rowboat, uh, and they couldn't get it done because they constantly turned the ball over. Uh, I'm scared tonight uh, for them because I'm scared, as one of the uh, Golden State Warriors said after Game 5, you know, he said, look, Steph Curry's going to be livid after this performance. And if you're Boston, that needs to scare you. Because if he comes out and he's on fire and he's throwing, like I said, it doesn't seem to matter who's on him or how close they are on him. He hits everything, and except for game five. Um, but look, um, this is a talented Celtics team. Now, the Golden State Warriors have the highest payroll in basketball. All right? I mean, they spend a lot of money. Um, the first, in these playoffs, every time they've had a chance to close a team out in their first chance, they haven't done it. They're zero and three in in games where they have a chance to finish off a team. So I mean, obviously they end up finishing them off anyway. But that might, you know, maybe if you look at that, okay, well then maybe the Celtics uh, have a shot to win that game tonight. You know, um, you know the other part of this is if you're the Celtics, look, you don't have to. This isn't even analytics. All you got to do is look at the box score. If the Celtics commit fewer than sixteen turnovers. In a game, they are 14-2 and two in these playoffs. Fewer than 16 turnovers, 14-2. and two. If they commit more than that, they're 0-7. And they struggled mightily turning the ball over against Golden State in Game 5. So... Uh, they need to fix that. If they fix that, they're you know they're going to be in better shape. The good news is Robert Williams seems to be okay. He's played thirty plus minutes. Now there's you know uh, he's got that 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 bad knee, and uh, but he's played over thirty minutes last game, and he's shooting like eighty nine percent from the field. It's ridiculous. Um, you know 
Jason Tatum has not been very good in these playoffs. You know, and you look at his numbers, you go, what are you talking about? I mean, but when you think about it, with the exception of that huge game he had against Milwaukee when he scored 46 points, right, uh, and the buzzer beater he had against the Nets in the first round, he's been meh. I mean, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been great. I mean, look, uh, in game five, you know, he ended up with, what, 27 points, something like that, but he was meh. You know, I mean, uh, you know, he missed he missed some huge free throws. He had a hard time finishing off layups. He ended up with, you know, he shot 10 for 20 from the field. Um, but he hasn't been great. He needs to be great. Jalen Brown needs to be great. Look, this is a Celtics team that is bigger and they're more athletic as a whole, than this Golden State team. This is, you know, they should have, you know, they should be able to win tonight on their home court. Then you go to game seven and, you know, you throw it out there and you say, okay, good luck. But, you know, good luck. But here's the thing. If the Celtics do win tonight, don't count them out in game seven. I mean, it'll be it'll be a huge hurdle. There's no question about that. But they've already won on the road in Golden State in this series, and they're eight and four on the road in the playoffs this year. So if they can get it to a game seven, you know who knows, who knows. So U.S. Open at uh, you know started this morning; it's already underway. Celtics tonight, and then in between that, we have the Red Sox taking on the Oakland Athletics at one thirty this afternoon. And the Red Sox have absolutely dismantled the Oakland Athletics in the first two games of this series. Just crushed them. They win last night again. Uh, they beat them 8-1. to one. Uh, Raphael Devers, another home run. He has now homered in four straight games. They're getting uh, good starting pitching. I mean, Jesus, I mean, Nick Pavetta was awesome the other night, right, in game one against Oakland. Last night, they go down to the minors and uh, – uh, they bring up Josh Winkowski. Now, Josh Winkowski in his first game d- didn't fare so well as a starter for the Red Sox. In his second career start, we'll take that every day. Five shutout innings. And he could have gone farther. Right? In those five innings, he had thrown, what, uh, 79 pitches? He had thrown more than that down in Worcester. But Alex Cora did a smart thing last night. You know, the kid had, you know, he, he had a victory. In hand, I mean, this game was out of reach early. You take him out after five shutout innings, four hits, he struck out three, walk one, you get him out of there. Then the kid can feel good about himself because, you know, with with the injuries to Evaldi and Garrett Whitlock, don't know when sales coming back. With all those things, you know, you may need Winkowski again. So they, they lift him after five. Jake Diepman comes in and gives up a home run, so the shutout was over. But then... Salamora, Brazier, and Danish finish it off. The Red Sox bats just, you know, just crushing it last night. Um, Bogarts with three hits. Alex Verdugo had three hits. Alex Verdugo hit his first home run last night in two months, or damn near two months. I think his last one was like April 17th or something like that. So, you know, everybody got in on it last night. Trevor Story had a couple of hits. He had been really struggling at the plate lately. Jackie Bradley Jr. had a couple of hits. 
Um, Red Sox had to call up Jaron Duran because uh, uh, they had uh, Christian Arroyo go on the COVID list. So Duran starts in center field. Went 0 for 4, but did walk once. Scored a run. Um, but everybody involved. J.D. Martinez, a double last night. Walked a couple of times. That's one of the things that's been most impressive about the Red Sox. Look, they have now um, just, they're rolling people, just killing everybody. The Red Sox are, have won 11 of the last 13. They've outscored their opponents 65 to 27 in that span. All right. But the thing that's the most impressive to me is what the Red Sox have done lately in terms of working counts, getting walks. You know, if you remember early in the season when they got off to that disastrous start, they were swinging at first pitches. They were uh, just not the what we were used to seeing from the Red Sox in terms of being able to get on base. Last night, they take seven walks. Take that every day of the week. James Caprillion was not good. He walked six of the seven guys. But be that as it may, the Red Sox are working the count, and that's what they need to do. You know, if they continue to do that, they're going to be just fine. You know, the A's, on the other hand, <laughs> whew, you know, look, nobody with with all the trades that they made and they, you know, they traded off everybody uh, but the clubhouse guy. Uh, everybody knew they were going to be bad. They've lost 13 of 14. And they are now 21 and 43. It's a race. On, look, it's a race on right now as to who is going to be the worst team in baseball. And right now. It's like the Oakland Athletics and the Kansas City Royals are going back and forth as to who's going to be at the bottom. Washington Nationals are awful. You know, the Cubs are awful. The Reds are awful. But right now, your uh, leaders in the futility clubhouse are the Kansas City Royals and the Oakland Athletics with 21 wins apiece. The Baltimore Orioles, who have lost 100 games for like three years in a row, have 27 wins. That's how bad things have gotten for Oakland. So uh, you have to be thrilled. Uh, with the way things are going now. Uh, Rich Hill will take the mound this afternoon, 2-3 uh, and three with a 4-3-8. He has not been great lately. The Red Sox would really like to get a good outing out of him. Uh, and it'll be Paul Blackburn, who has been very good for Oakland, 5-2 and two with a 2-3-1 ERA. Uh, Rich Hill did face Oakland earlier this year. He only gave up one run in six innings. Um, so Red Sox trying to complete that sweep this afternoon. Um, Chris Sale is going to throw live batting practice this morning. They said it's going to be between 15 and 20 pitches. You know, we already knew the other day he threw to some live hitters down in Florida, hit 96 on the radar gun, looked good. Uh, he is, if, if today goes well, you could see him heading, um, down to the minors for a rehab or for rehab very, very quickly. Um, the, the question has been all along, what are they going to do with him when he comes back? Are you going to start him? Are you going to put him in the bullpen? What are you going to do? Uh, my contention is, from the beginning, he needs to be getting the rotation. That's what Chris Sale does. He's a starter. Uh, Dave Bush, who's the pitching coach, was the one who kind of floated the balloon of, well, maybe we'll put him in the bullpen. Well, Alex Cora threw cold water on that yesterday, which I really liked. Alex Cora said, uh, look, I'm willing to wait a little longer to get Sale back as a starter. If it means that we have to throw more bullpens and we have to leave him in the minors for the rehab for a little bit longer, I'm willing to do that because I want him in the rotation when he comes back. It's what I like to hear. 
Good look. Uh, Chris Sale hasn't pitched in relief regularly since 2011, like when he was, you know, his first couple of years in the league. All right, so, you know, this is not something that um, where his comfort level is. And, look, give Sale a lot of credit. He said, look, I'll do whatever they want me to do. I just want to pitch. But they want him in, you know, they want him back in the rotation. This is what they did last season. If you remember, after he had had Tommy John surgery the year before, he came back on August 19th and made nine starts. And in those nine starts, he was 5-1 and one with a 3-1-6 ERA. The Sox were 7-2 and two in games where he started. And he made five starts in the minors prior to doing that and only pitched 20 innings in the minors. But this is, you know, that was the, the, what they did to get him ready b- back uh, last year. So to me, that's exactly what you're doing this year. And he's not even coming off Tommy John surgery now. This was a, you know, a broken rib or a couple of broken ribs. So if, you know, look, if they get him down to the minors now, let's say he goes down there and he makes four starts, he could be back July 11th. Right, he could be, or he he could he could return July 11th. You know, if they throw another maybe another bullpen session. You know, maybe he's back in the middle of July. You know, as as Pete Abraham said this morning in the Boston Globe, he could face the Yankees on July 16th. But he's guessing they'll push that back another week. That they'll wait till after the All Star break to bring him back. Um, you know that that would allow them to give uh, you know other pitchers a, an extra day off uh, coming out of the break if they have him. And it's also a home game against the Toronto Blue Jays, so maybe you want to start him at home in his first game as opposed to having him go to Yankee Stadium and pitch for the first time in the Bronx. But regardless, he's back sometime between the 10th and 20th of July. So that's great news as well. Uh, James Paxton um, threw a bullpen session yesterday, all fastballs, but again, felt good. You know, if you remember, he was on pace to maybe come back before sale, but then he had a setback. He was at a point where he was throwing 30, 35 pitches, and then all of a sudden uh, he started getting some some soreness and stuff. So they had to kind of dial things back and kind of start him from scratch again. So, uh, But he's working, and so we may see him back end of July, first part of August, something like that. Uh, The Red Sox have some bullpen help getting closer. Josh Taylor, who's been out all year with a back injury, um, faced uh, some live guy live uh, hitting before the game. Faced three guys, looked good, had command of everything, no discomfort. He could be heading for uh, the minor rehab assignment next week. He's going to sc- throw to some more hitters on Saturday. If all goes well there, he goes to Worcester next week. We could see Josh Taylor back here by the end of June. Uh, Phillips Valdez was sent back to AAA Worcester and, uh, you know, a, a guy that was only pitching in games that were out of hand. That's where he belongs. Uh, I still think the Red Sox are carrying one too many pitchers, but nobody asked me. It's 29 minutes past the hour. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about those New York Yankees. They continue to be annoying. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a uh, Thursday morning. By the way, if you hear some more noise in my office than usual, 
Uh, it's because I have chicks in the office once again after the carnage in the uh, chicken coop yesterday where the neighbor dog uh, wiped out our flock of chickens. Uh, we've had to start all over again. Hopefully uh, the work my wife and I did yesterday on the, uh, the uh, chicken enclosure in the coop, and uh, we're going to finish it up today. Hopefully that's enough to keep the uh, the neighbor's dog out, but uh, just, just awful. But anyway, so if you hear a little chirping in the background that uh, isn't normal, it's because uh, my little chicks are... Uh, back in the office once again as we uh, as we we try to try, try to help these survive. Hopefully they will. Uh, the Yankees yesterday win again. Uh, they held a four-one lead in this thing going into the eighth inning. Uh, Tampa came up with a couple of runs in the eighth to make this thing close, but the Yankees close it out. They win again four-three. Uh, Nestor Cortez uh, has been a great story for the Yankees this year. He has picked up his sixth victory of the season. Allowed just three hits in one run uh, over five and a third. He outdueled Shane McClanahan, who was pretty good. McClanahan gave up four runs, but uh, three of the four were unearned. He struck out seven, only gave up three hits in those six innings. Um, and McClanahan had been so good lately. Uh, he had won six straight decisions. But uh, he loses yesterday, and the Yankees are now 46-16. and 16. Uh, they set a record for most consecutive wins in the new Yankee Stadium. That's 13 in a row at home. Uh, Aaron Judge hit his league leading, major league leading, 25th home run. Look, this is a guy that's on pace to break Roger Maris's record of home runs in a season. Right, 62. What are they? 62 games in, he's got 25 home runs. He's on pace to hit well over 65 home runs this year if he continues this. The only question right now uh, is who's going to win the MVP? I'll tell you what. You look at what Rafi Devers is doing. And Devers has a higher batting average. He's hitting uh, like 330 to Aaron Judge's 313. But Judge with uh, those 25 bombs, um, he now has 49 runs batted in. Uh, it's going to come down. Right now it looks like a, a three-horse race for MVP. Uh, Jose Ramirez from the uh, Cleveland Guardians has been unbelievable. Uh, Aaron Judge and Rafi Devers. You know, and I guess if you want to throw in Shohei Otani in there like they did last year because the fact that he's a hitter and a pitcher and, you know, maybe that keeps him in that conversation as well. But uh, what Judge and Devers are doing right now is something special. Um, so, uh, judge with that 25th home run, look, the Yankees were not exactly, uh, great last night as they only had three hits the entire game. They got the three hits off of McClanahan and then, uh, they couldn't do anything off the uh, raised bullpen. So they were fortunate, a big error. Uh, and, uh, that was the only thing that saved them because, uh, they only walked twice. They only had five base runners or six base runners all night. So, uh, but when you're hot, things fall your way. So the Yankees at 46 and 16 uh, remain nine up on Toronto. Now they're 11 up on Tampa and 12 and a half on the Red Sox. The Red Sox now only a game and a half behind Tampa for third place in the American League East. And they're only three and a half back of Toronto for second place in the American League East. Like I said, at this point, uh, it's almost like you just kind of wave to the New York Yankees and say, uh, good luck, guys. You know, enjoy your division title. Uh, if you're the Red Sox, you're trying to position yourself uh, to have perhaps the uh, 
a chance to get home games uh, in, in the playoffs. That's what you're all about. It's all about right now positioning yourself in the wild card. Uh, I mentioned the Blue Jays stay nine back. They win yesterday. They beat the Baltimore Orioles seven to six. They do it in the bottom of the ninth. Vlad Guerrero Jr. or excuse me, they do it in the bottom of the tenth. Vlad Jr., the hero for uh, uh, for the the Jays, uh, he hit his sixteenth home run of the season, and then he knocks home the winning run in the bottom of the tenth inning that gave them the win over the Baltimore Orioles seven to six. Believe it or not. Despite everything that Vlad Jr. did last year and what he's doing this year, uh, that was the first game-ending hit of his career, first walk-off hit of his career. Jose Barrios got the start last night for the Blue Jays. He was really good. Uh, Seven innings, three hits, three runs. He struck out a didn't walk anybody. Uh, Ends up getting a no decision. Adam Simber picked up his seventh win out of the bullpen. Uh, Bruce Zimmerman started for Baltimore. My God. Four and two-thirds innings, 11 runs, six hits, just terrible. Gave up three bombs. Um, But fortunately, the Baltimore uh, bullpen was very, very good. They gave up just two hits the rest of the way. You know, and uh, Bautista gets the loss out of the bullpen because you get that runner, the Manfred man, as we like to call him, uh, starting on second base, free runner, and uh, all it takes is one single, and that's what happens. So the bullpen was really good, but uh, the Blue Jays came up big when they needed to. Uh, they will finish off that series today. Tyler Wells uh, will start for Baltimore. He's been decent, three three and four, three eight six ERA. Kevin Gaussman uh, will get the start for the Toronto Blue Jays. It's going to be the first start for Gaussman against his former team. Gaussman was actually originally drafted by the Baltimore Orioles all the way back in 2012 as the fourth overall pick in that draft. So uh, he will make his first start ever uh, against the team that drafted him. Uh, mentioned how great the Yankees have been. Well, I'll take your Yankees and raise you an Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves won again last night. They beat the Washington Nationals 8-2. to Now, I know the Nationals stink, so it's not exactly like breaking news. But the Braves have now won 14 straight games. It's the uh, That matches the modern-day uh, record for the Braves. Uh, they had a run of 14 straight back in 2013, uh, and they are one win away from tying the franchise record's post-1900 record. They had 15 games from uh, uh, April 16th to May 2nd of 2000. But this is uh, historic. I mean, look, the Mets have been really good. I mean, the Mets lost last night. We'll get to that in a minute. But the Mets have been so good this season and at one point had a nine-and-a-half game lead, went on a road trip, played 500 ball, and lost four games to, to the Braves in the standings. The Braves at one point were like 10 out. There's six out now. Excuse me, four out now. Four out. At Mets are 41-23, and and the Braves are breathing down their necks. And the Philadelphia Phillies... Uh, they have been just as hot, so that that National League East is shaping up to be a hell of a race uh, coming down the stretch. Uh, the story last night for the Braves, Austin Riley, a couple of home runs, but uh, Spencer Strider, again, you know, you're like, who? Spencer Strider's a rookie. Well, he came out yesterday, five and two-thirds innings, gave up just one hit, gave up two runs, uh, struck out 11, walked two. Uh, this kid was really, really good. Uh, he didn't allow a hit until Luis Garcia homered uh, to right center with two outs in the fifth. 
They took him out uh, with a runner on first uh, and two outs in the sixth inning, and the uh, uh, Jesse Chavez, who came out of the bullpen, ended up giving up a couple of hits and allowing that run to score. But Strider was great, uh, improved to 3-2 and two on the season, lowered his ERA to 2.45. So as if this team didn't have enough, right, with – uh, you know, Max Fried and Charlie Morton and uh, Ian Anderson. I mean, they've this this great rotation that they have. They get this this kid coming out, Strider, who is getting better and better. Uh, the other story of this game, Orlando Arcia. Remember, just a couple of days ago, Ozzy Albies left the game with a broken foot, and you're like, oh my god, that is bad news for the Braves. But Ozzy, but uh, Orlando Arcia has been one of those guys, and I mentioned this right after the injury. He's one of those guys that doesn't play a lot, but every time he has been asked to play for the Braves, he has come through. Well, since the broken foot by Ozzy Albies, Orlando Arcia has gone seven for nine with four runs batted in and three runs scored. He had a home run and three singles and a walk for the Braves last night. Or, I mean, in the series. They swept the three-game series, and he just was phenomenal since the injury to Ozzy Albies. So... Uh, and look, they won this series with their best player, Ronald Acuna Jr. going one for 15 and Matt Olson going three for 15. So two of your big guns in that lineup, um, did nothing. And now the Braves with those 14 straight wins get to play the Chicago Cubs who have been hideous. The Cubs have lost nine in a row. And you and now, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, the, the Atlanta Braves, they, they start playing the Cubs on Friday. A three-game series over weekend. Uh, 14 straight wins against a team that's lost nine in a row. Licking their chops. So it, it uh, this 14-gamer could end up being a 17-game streak by the time this thing is over. Uh, and I mentioned the Mets. They get uh, drilled last night by the Milwaukee Brewers, 10-2. to It's a close game for a little while, um, but uh, a seven-run fifth inning. Knocked David Peterson out of the game. Reed came out of the bullpen. He ended up giving up five runs, only got two outs. Uh, so this one got out of hand. Uh, Corbin Burns got the start, picked up his fourth win of the season, lowered his ERA to 2.52. A um, couple of home runs. Um, Excuse me, a home run uh, from uh, Willie Adamas uh, drove in a couple. He's got 30 runs batted in on the season. Uh, the Mets just couldn't get anything going. McNeil had a home run for them, but uh, they only managed five hits off of the Brewers yesterday. Uh, and uh, they will finish off that series today, the rubber match. It'll be Aaron Ashby, 1-5 with a 3-9-1 against Tyler McGill. Uh, McGill, 4-2 with a 4-5-0 ERA. That game will be tonight. Uh, but the Mets uh, struggling. Uh, two nights in a row, we've had nearly had no hitters in Major League Baseball. We almost had one last night. Uh, Tyler Anderson from the Los Angeles Dodgers lost a no-hit bid with one out in the ninth inning. Eight and a third no-hit innings, and then Shohei Otani uh, with one out in the ninth uh, hits a triple. And uh, Anderson loses his no-hit bid. They took him out of the game after that. He had thrown 123 pitches, I believe. That's the most he had ever thrown in a game in his career. Uh, and uh, uh, so they take him out. Craig Kimbrell came on, gave up a hit that allowed the run to score. 
before uh, finishing it out with a couple of strikeouts. But uh, uh, the Dodgers sweep the series against the Angels. The Angels continue to struggle. They fired their manager, Joe Madden. It hasn't made a damn bit of difference. Uh, they have now lost 8 of 10, three in a row. And from a team that was in first place for a little while, they are now six games under 500, and there is no signs of things uh, getting any better. So an absolute mess. Uh, for Tyler Anderson, though, you got to feel good for the kid. Uh, lowered his ERA to 2.82. He is 8-0 and for the Dodgers. I mean, this is the best start of this kid's career. You know, And think about how good it must feel. I mean, this is a guy who pitched for the Colorado Rockies for years. You know, and you're pitching up in Colorado, and it's like, you know, you're just praying to God you don't give up 27 home runs in one game. But he is 8-0 with a 2.82 ERA. He's made 10 starts this season. He's got a whip of under one. Uh, you know, you look, this kid has never won more than seven games in a season. He went 7-11 and last season uh, between Pittsburgh and Seattle. So he's already set a career record for victories. So good for him. Uh, he is a great story. Uh, he's, what, 32 years old now. Uh, but what a, what a great performance by him last night. But uh, better than that, if you're the Dodgers, you know, with the injuries that you've had to Clayton Kershaw and, and things like that, to have a guy like that step up and do that has been phenomenal. So uh, the, Tyler Anderson with a great performance last night. Uh, and then in Houston, Something that has never happened in Major League Baseball before happened last night. Two immaculate innings. What's an immaculate inning, you ask, if uh, you're not familiar? It means you throw nine pitches in an inning as a pitcher, and you strike out three guys. It does not happen very often. It is a rarity. Well, the Houston Astros had two pitchers do it last night. Luis Garcia, who started the game last night, uh through one and then Phil Maton came out of the bullpen and then he threw one unbelievable add into that a uh, great night by Martin Maldonado at the plate a guy who is not known for his prowess at the plate uh, he had a two run double in the first and then Homer later in the game uh, Houston beat the Texas Rangers 9-2 but uh, two immaculate innings Unbelievable. And this game was over in the first inning. Astros sent 11 batters to plate in the first inning, and this game was over. Uh, so that was uh, something you may, you probably will never, ever see that again. So pretty impressive. Uh, elsewhere last night, the Phillies win again. Uh, Garrett Stubbs, a three-run bomb with two outs in the ninth inning. They were down one nothing, And uh, they walk it off on Garrett Stubbs. Uh, again, this is a team that is red hot. You know, since firing Joe Girardi, I believe they've lost one game. So uh, <laughs> uh, watch out. I mean, like I said, the Mets uh, got people breathing down their necks. And my pet peeve, and we talked about this the other day, there should not be position players pitching in Major League Baseball. Well, last night the Detroit Tigers lost to the Chicago White Sox 13 to nothing. By the time the sixth inning came, A.J. Hinch, the manager for the Detroit Tigers, decided he was not going to use his bullpen anymore. So he then threw out three position players to finish the game. Uh, their second baseman, Castro, came on to pitch. Cody Clemens, Roger Clemens' son, 
who, by the way, is not a pitcher. He's a position player, uh, unlike his father. But he came on to pitch, ended up giving up a, a run on three hits. And then Tucker Barnhart, their backup catcher, comes on and pitches the ninth and gives up three hits and a run. Teams are carrying 13 or 14 pitchers on their on their roster. There is no excuse, none, for a major league team to have a position player pitching in the game. And I don't – it is bad enough one guy pitched in the game. How about three of them? That I – mean, look – it makes a mockery of the game. It would be like the New England Patriots winning a game 50 to nothing and deciding to take their long snapper and put him in the game as your quarterback. It's not supposed to happen. It's not the way the game was designed. And it, with the roster constructions these days and the, the leeway that these teams have been given to have extra players on their roster, this needs to stop. It's absolutely ridiculous. 49 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 51 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Got a few minutes left this morning as uh, we get ready uh, to head out for a big sports day after I go out and uh, work outside uh, and secure the chicken coop some more, et cetera. But uh, then I'll be inside to watch some golf, watch the Red Sox, watch the Celtics. It is going to be a big sports day, and my wife is already ready to commit suicide, I think. <laughs> the eye roll that she gave me this morning when I was detailing the day in sports was classic. Uh, hockey news, the Stanley Cup final started last night and the Colorado Av Avalanche, who are actually favored in this series, despite the fact that their opponents, the Tampa Bay Lightning, have won the last two Stanley Cups. The Avalanche are actually favored in this one. Uh, took a little work last night, but the Avalanche win game one. Andre Burakovsky, a goal, a minute and 23 into the overtime, uh, gives the Avalanche the 4-3 to three victory in game number one. Uh, trying to stop the first three-peat uh, in the NHL in a long, long time. As a matter of fact, it would be, I think it's been almost 40 years since a team won three straight Stanley Cups. Uh, and, and if you're Colorado, they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 2001, I believe. So it's been almost 20 years for them. Uh, but a great job last night. Uh, a good job out of uh, their goaltender, uh, Darcy Kumper, and uh, their penalty kill. That lightning power play is really, really good. The penalty kill was 3-for-3 three three last night for the Avalanche, and the Avalanche are just so fast. I mean, they really that, – that was the difference in the game last night, the Avalanche speed. Um, uh, look, this, this Avalanche team uh, swept Nashville in the first round. Uh, they took St. Louis to six, uh, but uh, – uh, they just uh, been unbelievable. I mean, then they played Edmonton, and they just rolled them. So this Avalanche team is hot as hell, and it looks like they are going to uh, uh, finally stop the run that the Tampa Bay Lightning have been on. And uh, my college roommate, Tom, lives in uh, Tampa. Uh, my stepson lives in Tampa. They would both love to see this happen. And uh, sorry, I think this one is over. Um, other NHL news, uh, and I'm really glad to hear this, Bruce Cassidy. Uh, got the head coaching job 
yesterday as uh, the new head coach for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Cassidy got screwed in Boston. Uh, we were on hiatus when my uh, I went for my mom's funeral when uh, uh, he got fired by the Boston Bruins. He look he got hired by the Bruins back in 2017 and he was unbelievable. This team uh, had over 100 points like three times during his tenure. You know, uh, the only thing, you know, they, they won a Stanley Cup, but, you know, the last couple of years have been disappointing. They, they've had, you know, they had 100 and something points this year. They got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, and uh, it's just crazy. You know, there's some problems with the Bruins lineup. There's no question about that, but that's not on Bruce Cassidy. That's on the front office, you know. And and the the front office is where the mistakes were made, and he ends up getting fired. So I am uh, really happy that he got this job. And it's funny, uh, you know, he's taking over for Peter DeBoer in Vegas. Vegas had a good year this year. I mean, they won forty three games, but they missed the playoffs for the first time uh, since uh, joining the league in twenty seventeen. I mean, but he had been great. You know, and they went 43-31-8. I mean, Jesus, I mean, it's not like they were, you know, uh, getting beat every night. So, uh, uh, but uh, good for Bruce Cassidy. Look, I like him, and I love, you know, he's very very matter-of-fact, not afraid to stand up if he thinks he made a mistake, and he's not afraid to call out these these high-priced players either. Uh, So I'm happy for him because I thought he got absolutely screwed in Boston. So Bruce Cassidy taking over in Las Vegas. That is going to do it. For us here this morning, we'll be back tomorrow with a Friday edition of The Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from George Strait. Give it away. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country 94.1.